Hey, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? I'm so glad to see everyone here. What an exciting day to be baptizing those who made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And we're so glad that you're in the service. We'll have it at the end of the service. And uh, this is probably one of the most favorite things that I love to do as a pastor. And for you to be part of that is to witness those who have dedicated their hearts to the Lord, who uh, through a symbolic act of water baptism, they die to themselves with Christ and raise anew and afresh with him. And the hope of the gospel message is that Jesus came and gave his life for sinners, which every single one of us here are sinners, gave his life for us so that we could have a new life forgiven, cleansed, and then have the gift of eternal life. That's pretty good stuff right there. That's the hope. We need to hear that today, don't we, in our world? We are in a series, and we're finishing up today looking at going back to the basics. And we're going to today... We're going to look at why Jesus makes all the difference in the world. And I think sometimes in Christianity, we, we, we have a mistake in the way we might look at Christianity or look at Christ or when we become Christians or for followers of God that we think sometimes that everything is supposed to work out here on earth. How many know that not everything always works here on earth, that bad things actually do happen, that we, we're faced with trials and tribulations? How many can say Amen. Okay, good. You guys are with me this morning. And I believe our understanding of who Jesus is and the words that he spoke to us and spoke to the early apostles and the disciples, my prayer for you this morning is that would give you hope in the trials that you face, that it would give you a completely different perspective of this world. I think for many reasons why people may leave the faith is something comes to kind of rock their faith or rock their, you know, just their world and and their worldview. And what begins to happen is we begin to doubt and we begin to say, well, what's going on? If I'm a Christian and I don't have a solid foundation of who Jesus is and an understanding of the truth of God's word, it will show the type of foundation that I'm standing on. And as your pastor, I want you to be standing on a firm foundation of who Jesus is and the reality of his word so that you can traverse through whatever you may be going through here in this world. And when we read the word of God, we can see what the disciples went through. We can see what the apostles went through. I mean, it's interesting to me. I mean, if Paul were to write a book today, he probably wouldn't sell much. I mean, you know, one, two, three steps on how to become shipwrecked, how to be beaten, how to be stoned to death. I just don't think it would be a big seller. But yet here they faced all these trials and difficulties, yet they had a joy in their heart because they understood what their purpose was. They understood who Jesus was, and it did not shake their foundation of who they were in Christ. We need Jesus today, and we need a fresh understanding, a a knowledge of who he is and, and how he can help us through whatever we're going through. So we've stood on this theme that our understanding of God shapes the way we view, live, and relate to others in our world. And so it's during these times that we can do one of two things when something uh, comes our way that just kind of rocks our world. We can do one of two things. We can turn away or we can actually dig in and try to understand what God's word and, and pursue the truth of God's word so that we have a firm foundation in the, word, in the world that we live in today. So today I want to have a correct understanding of Jesus and that Jesus never painted for us a perfect world or that, or that we would never face difficulties. So Jesus gives us peace in an ever-changing world. The things we face in our world today is nothing new. 
The early church faced the same type of problems, the same type of culture, things that were uh, things that came against the knowledge of Christ and the truth of Christ, and they had to stand firm. And how did they stand firm and not give up? That's what I want to look at today. I want to look at two passages of Scripture. I want to look at John 14, and I want to parallel it with John 18. John 14, many of you have heard this passage. I, I read this passage at many funerals. Jesus is getting ready to leave, and he gives uh, his disciples hope, even in the midst of him leaving them and their hearts are troubled. And then I want to look at the passage of Jesus' conversation with Pilate during his trial and his arrest and before his crucifixion. So understanding the true Jesus is imperative, and understanding what he said is crucial to how we live our lives. So let's, let's look at two things that Jesus answers for us in John 14 and John 18. The two things Jesus is going to answer for us is, one, uh, what is our future? And the secondly, he's going to answer, what is truth? Now, I don't care who you are. You need to, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you need to know where is your future, and you have a true understanding of that, and what is truth. And Jesus answers both of us for us. And that, those two things, listen, listen, this, uh, those two things are so important because he had to give this to the disciples if they were going to traverse through the difficulties and the persecutions that they were going to face. So what Jesus gives them is not a one, two, three step on trust yourself. Trust your feelings, right? Trust, trust in who you are. He doesn't do that. Jesus gives them hope of their future in him and he tells them what the truth is. Man, if we are going to face this world today, we need to have those two things. We need to have a true understanding of those two things. So let's look at John 14, 1 through 6, and then we're going to look at John 18, his conversation with Pilate. He says to his disciples, after they're troubled, they don't know what's happening, he says he's going to leave them. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in yourself, right? No, he doesn't say that. He says, trust in God, trust also in me. So when he's saying trust, he's saying have faith in me. Put everything. I'm, I'm using a gambling thing, but don't gamble. But put, put all your chips in, right? Just, I don't know why I just said that, but put everything in. Put everything in. You put your trust in me. You put your faith in me. Trust God, trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home, many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come to get you, so you will always be with me where I am. Isn't that comforting? That is so good. I love that passage. And you know where and you know the way to where I'm going. No, we do not know the way, Lord, the, uh, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? Listen to how Jesus responds and this is so good. He's, Jesus told him, "Thomas, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me." In that one little statement, Jesus says something very powerful. Two things he says here. Number one, he is, a, he is a very inclusive God, which means Jesus says, anyone who comes to me, I'm not going to cast out. But also, he said, this is very exclusive, meaning there's only one way. Because Jesus says, I'm the truth. There's not a bunch of ways to God. There's one way. Now, I didn't say this. Our church doesn't say this. We believe this because Jesus says it. So we have to wrestle with this, right? We have to say either this is true or it's not. We can't water it down. We can't say, well, Jesus is a way and you can believe in a lot of different ways. Jesus says this. This is what he tells his disciples so that they can traverse through the difficulties in their lives. 
Now I want to look at how Jesus has this conversation once again with truth and who he is with Pilate. Pilate said, so you're a king. Now Pilate, he just wants to appease the Jews. He doesn't want an uprising. He thinks this is foolishness. So he has this conversation. They make him go to Pilate because he's the authority in that region. And so Jesus responds to him, you say that I'm a king, but actually I was born to come into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. That's a pretty powerful statement right there. What I say is true. So then Pilate asks, well, what is truth? Pilate asks. Now Pilate doesn't even wait. He just turns around. He went out again to the people and told them he's not guilty of any crime. Now I want, I've noticed something. I've noticed it's a common thread for those who either walk away from their faith or deconstruct their faith to create something that we see in the church, in our church they call the progressive movement. movement. And it definitely concerns me as a pastor, especially for those who once claimed to be followers of Christ who walk away from their faith. And I, 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 always, I always want to understand why. Why would they walk away from the truth of who Jesus is? Why would they walk away from the one? Or why would they deconstruct their faith to redefine who Jesus is and begin to accept a lot of other teachings with, with Jesus when Jesus clearly explains who he is and what his purpose on earth is about him having the only truth and about being the way, the truth, and the life. Many will look at maybe old, uh, difficult Old Testament passages, maybe look at the creation of the world and, and feel that faith and science can't mix. I have to choose one over the other. Uh, maybe, maybe they were in church and they got burned by a church or a pastor or maybe some, another Christian hurt them. So they, they begin to you know, take another look at their faith and they begin to maybe blame the church and they begin to, to reconstruct their faith and, and begin, you know, create their own kind of belief system on what is true and, and what is not. And, and what, what bothers me as, as a pastor is what I'm seeing in this progressive movement is, is what they're teaching about God. An, an orthodox doctrine, true teaching, or, or, or good sound doctrine, teaching the word of God. Many will accept other ways to God, not what Jesus says in John 14. Many move away from the teaching of hell, as, as difficult as that is, but Jesus did teach on that. And believe me, that, that's, it's, it's a hard topic. It should bother us. And we have to understand why Jesus came to, to, to save us from sin, that there's a penalty for our, our sin, and that God is a loving God. How many can say, amen, God's a loving God? He is. And, and I would much rather preach on a loving God all the time and just say he loves everybody and accepts everyone. But, but on the other hand, God is a, a God of justice, and he has to judge sin. And the whole reason why Jesus came was to give his life for our sin. And our waywardness. He died a gruesome death for a reason because our sin was so grievous against God and it kept us from knowing a holy God. And God said, I love you so much that I'm going to make a way through my own son by not sparing his own life for you and I. And what we've done today is we've moved away from that. And we say, well, there's other teachings, there's other things that we can accept. But Jesus never says that. So we have to wrestle with it. Either it's true or it's not. We moved away. Many have moved away from the inerrancy of Scripture saying, well, there's some truth in Scripture, some not. There's some truth over here and we can mix it all together. They moved away from a salvation alone in Christ, that Jesus is the only way. There's an acceptance of all type of, of lifestyles now, moving away from clearly what Scripture mandates and teaches about what God's will is. 
See, at the core, I believe there's a misunderstanding of the gospel message. What Jesus gives to his disciples in John 14 is so imperative for us to understand because the only way the disciples and the apostles were going to make it and not fall away from their faith is to understand who Jesus really is. Because if we really understand who Jesus really is, then, then we'll be able to traverse through our trials and our difficulties because we'll have an understanding of our future and we'll have an understanding of who Jesus is and the truth of who Christ is. So what happens when my faith is shaken? What happens when things happen beyond my control? If we don't have a deep understanding of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ, we too can easily slip away. And for us, for me as your pastor, I want you to be grounded in the truth of who Christ is. So when you hear other teachings, that your antenna goes up and says, beep, 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 you know, danger, danger, danger. There's, there's something wrong here. This, this doesn't correlate with what God's word says. As sincere as people are, and as loving as they are, and as sincere as they are, they can be sincerely wrong too. And I don't want you to be sincerely wrong in your faith with Jesus Christ. That's why we depend on the word of God, not what I say, not what somebody else says, but what does God's word say? This is his truth, and we need to understand it so we can correctly traverse through this world and all the things that are shifting in our world today. So we need to have that understanding of who Jesus is. We need to have a firm foundation to navigate this ever-changing world. So I want you to notice what Jesus tells his disciples before he goes to the cross. Now, he tells them, not to allow their hearts to be troubled. Now, have you ever had someone tell you, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. It will all work out. Forget about it. Right? You ever? And like, that doesn't help me. I'm sorry. It just, I'm an anxious person. I tend to worry. And these words of advice usually don't work for me. I, I still tend to worry and be anxious. And, and we all know that it's, easy to say those things when you're not personally going through them, right? My, my brother-in-law, we have this little, we do this little funny thing. When I'm watching the Bills, he always texts me like, they're going to win. It's going to be all right, Barton. They're going to win by 14 points. Well, he's not even a Bills fan. He's a Ravens fan. So of course, you know, so I do the same thing to him. I'm like, the Ravens are going to win. He goes, no, they stink. They're not going to win this game. You know, we do, the, we do the same thing. But when you're not in it, right? It's so much easier to say those, those kind, comforting words to, to someone else. But Jesus tells his disciples that he will be leaving them. And, that they are, that, and they're confused and, and they're concerned and they're worried. But Jesus' words to them is, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, does Jesus just pacify them by saying, listen, don't worry about it, just be happy. Trust in yourselves, trust in your feelings, Right? How does that work out for us when we trust our feelings, right? Jesus doesn't say trust in yourself or who you are because Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. And our hearts are deceitful. And our feelings go up and down like a yo-yo. See, it's important for us to understand the meaning of the word trouble. In fact, the Greek word is tereso. And what does that mean? Well, Jesus is telling them, don't let what I just told you upset your life. What he's really saying is, don't let it change your purpose. What I'm telling you is reality. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In John 16, 33. So he's, he's telling them, listen, don't let your heart be troubled. But he's not giving, he's not pacifying them. He's just not giving them some words, just some advice, just some hopeful things that it's all going to work out. He's saying, don't let it change your purpose. So the Greek word here, 
Tereso means to stir or agitate. The word picture here is making water muddy by disturbing it with sediment. So sediment, you know, when you stir it up in the water, you're in a stream, you stir up the sediment, um, it makes crystal clear water, uh, it, it, makes it, it makes it murky, it, it makes it muddy. You can't see as clearly now. And he's saying, don't allow what I just told you to disrupt or make your vision muddy. Follow me here. How many of us, when something happens in our life, like all of a sudden it's like, we're doing fine. We have a clear vision. I just went to church. God is good. The worship was awesome. I just saw baptism. God is so good. My faith is so good. And all of a sudden something happens and a monkey wrench gets thrown into your life. And all of a sudden you get troubled. You get agitated. And all of a sudden, how how many are like me? All of a sudden that clear vision all of a sudden gets muddy. Anybody else that happened to? Good, two of you. I'm preaching to two of you this morning. You're with me. How easy is it for us, for our hearts to get troubled when something out of the blue just happens? Jesus is warning his, his disciples that trouble will come. Persecution will come. But don't allow it to muddy your vision of your future. For I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not abandoning you. And, and, and actually, I'm going to come back and get you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In fact, that's why he gives us the Holy Spirit, is that comforter, that paraclete, that, that is in us, that walks with us, that comforts us. He says, I'm not going to leave you, but I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't allow what's going to happen in your future to muddy your vision. See, when we are troubled by something, we are robbed of peace. And Jesus says, I do not want your peace in me to be robbed. My calmness of heart is agitated. It's stirred up when things happen in my life that are beyond my control. Jesus didn't want their hearts to be troubled or shaken by this world. So what does he do? Well, he didn't didn't want their minds to be changed on who Jesus was and what their purpose was. He doesn't mean that they'll never have problems. It just comes down to how we handle those problems. It's not that we'll never have doubts. It's how we handle those questions and doubts in our lives. He didn't want their doubts to take control over their minds or their mission. And I think what happens is if our faith is not deep, if if our faith isn't immature, if we don't understand who Jesus is, the things of the world are going to knock us off mission. They're going to knock us off course. And then we begin to trust our own feelings. We begin to listen to the world. We begin to listen to the advice of the world. And meanwhile, when we're on that straight course, we're way over here now because we stopped listening to the truth of who Jesus was. And Jesus didn't want his disciples to be knocked off course. He didn't want their doubts to take control of their minds and the ultimate mission. So what Jesus does is he tells them to keep their hearts from becoming overwhelmed by troubles. He tells them to trust in him. He tells them to put their faith in him. Not the trouble, not the circumstance, but to put their faith in him. Now, notice what Jesus says to them. He tells them, to trust who he is. He he doesn't say that he's going to work everything out on this world. He says, in the midst of your trouble, you can have peace. Trust who I am. He gives them his character and who he is. So So what does he mean by that? Well, faith is not wishful thinking or a hopeful outcome. 
That's not, faith is not, oh, I, I hope this works out, right? I hope the Bills finally win the Super Bowl, right? It's not that. It's not, it's not this wishful thinking or a hopeful outcome. Jesus tells them to trust him, to put their faith in him. I like what Bob Utley says here about faith. He says, faith is the human response to God's faithfulness and his promise. We trust his trustworthiness, not our own, his character is the key. We can trust God because God is good and God is faithful. Charles Pfeiffer in his commentary on Hebrews, this is so good on how he defines uh, faith. He says, faith has a backward look. It declares that God has done mighty acts in days gone by. And faith also has this forward look. It declares that, that he can be trusted for the future. Faith is a firm assurance, the conviction that God will do what he has promised to do. It would, of course, be presumption to insist that he must do what we want done. Many Christians grow disillusioned in their Christian lives because God does not conform to their wills. Faith takes God at his word. Faith does not insist that he conform to our ideas. This is where trust comes in and believing in his character, that he is true, that he is trustworthy. See, when our faith is in Christ, it's something concrete. It's something stable. Why? Because faith in Christ is based on truth. It's based on truth. It's not based on my experience or how well things go in my life. The reason why we follow Christ is because he is true. He's the way, the truth, and the life. That's why we follow him. That's what he said to Pilate. I am truth, I speak truth. Those who love the truth, listen to what I have to say. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't give them a false sense of hope. He doesn't give the apostles a false sense of hope. He doesn't say, say that in this life everything will be perfect. He doesn't give them a one, two, three step in finding happiness. The best thing Jesus could give his disciples and us is the truth. That's why the disciples laid their lives down for Jesus. Because he was true. And I think for many of us, if we're not careful, we base our Christian life on my experience. If things are going well, everything's hunky-dory, right? Then I'll follow him. But what happens when things don't go well? What happens when things don't? What am I trusting? So what Jesus does is he gives his disciples the best thing they could ever hear. He gives them himself the truth of who he is. He gives them the truth of the future and the truth of who he is. Now, it would be that truth that would help the disciples of Jesus persevere through all the trials that they would face. So the best thing Jesus could do is give us himself. See, Jesus doesn't want the circumstances of our lives to dictate how we live. He wants the truth of who he is to direct our lives. So when all else fails, guess what? We still have Jesus. We still have Jesus. He will never leave us or forsake us, and nothing can separate us from his love. Now, I wish, I wish I knew why things happen the way they do, but I stopped trying to figure that out a long time ago. It's, it's so easy for us to run down that road of like, well, why did this happen? Can I figure this out? What I do now is, is I put my hope in the things that I do know. And one thing that I do know is God is good, and he's faithful, and he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So what I want to do is I want to tie the conversation Jesus had with Pilate with John 14 and his disciples. 
So what we see here before Pilate is Jesus before, before Pilate, Pilate is, is, the, is the Roman governor of Judea. And according to Jewish law, Jesus is arrested for claiming to be God and could, and could be put to death. So this conversation with Pilate revolves around truth. Jesus tells him that those who follow me listen to the truth and that he bears witness to the truth. So Pilate asks the, the, the question of the ages, right? What is truth? Now, if he really cared about it, he probably would have stuck around. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think Pilate really cared to hear the answer. He was too concerned with appeasing the Jews and making everybody happy, and so there was no riot. He didn't stay around. He walked away from hearing what is the truth from the very person who could give them the truth. Do we stop short sometimes on really seeking the truth in the claims that Jesus has made? And can we authenticate it in the person of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. So Pilate either doesn't care or doesn't want to submit to the truth. See, the the reason why Jesus wants us to follow him is for the very reason he is true. And he's truth. If you can understand that, that will help you through all life's difficulties and problems. That doesn't mean that the situation isn't hard, but if we know that Jesus is true, then he's true to his word and that he will work everything out for us and that one day we will be with him. There was an interesting thought that C.S. Lewis had in an article. It was called Man or Rabbits. And this is what he said. This is so good. I mean, C.S. Lewis lived a long time ago in the 1900s, but this, this is so like pertinent for today. In the article, he addresses the question, can someone live a good life without believing in Christianity? Because many people follow, let's be honest, many people follow a belief system for how it fits them. Is it good for me? Is it going to you know, help me out? Is it going to benefit me? Here's, here's, this is what C.S. Lewis says. The question sounds as if, we ask, if it were asked by a person who said to himself, I don't care whether Christianity is fact, true or not. I'm not interested in finding out whether the real universe is more like what the Christians say or what the materialists say. All I'm interested in is leading a good life. I'm going to choose beliefs. This is so, oh my goodness, this is so today. This is so today. I'm not going to choose beliefs, not because I think them true, but because I find them helpful. I believe this is so true. Because if I follow Christ because it's helpful... God, get me out of this jam. Right? If you can only help me, we will be on thin ground. And when something happens or something shakes us, that ground is going to crumble. The moment our faith is shaken, we will fall. See, Jesus wants us to follow him because he's truth. That solid ground that we stand on. See, many people don't care about truth. They want to know if something works to better their lives. Does it work for me? And so that's why really in the progressive movement, many are taking the true doctrines of the, of the church and, and they're watering it down to fit their lifestyles. Let's be honest, to fit their lifestyles, to make them more comfortable. People, I want you to wrestle with the truth of who Jesus is. I just don't want you to accept it because for you teenagers or you younger people that were brought up in church, I don't want you to accept it just because your parents 
had told you that. I want you to look in God's word for yourself to discover that it is true that God is faithful. Jesus can be authenticated. And no one's disproved him yet. But if I base my walk on my circumstances and I base my faith on Jesus because of my circumstances, my walk with him is not going to be very stable and it's not going to last very long. The best thing that Jesus could give his disciples was the truth of their future, that they could trust him, and the truth of who he is. I'm the way, the truth, and life. Thomas, here's how you know. Thomas, here's how you know. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You trust that, and no matter what you face, you will have joy and you will have peace because you know your future is secure in me. You can trust me. You know, going through the loss of our first child some 26 years ago, Kathleen and I, um, you know, for any of you that have gone through that, you understand. I've gone through deep pain in your life, deep loss in your life. You, you understand that. Um, I remember after that, it just really put me on a trajectory of really understanding the theology of suffering. It changed my preaching. It changed the way I read the Bible. That I began to realize, wow, the disciples really went through a lot of hardships, but yet they still had a joy. And what it did for me was this. It made me trust Christ, not because of, are these circumstances going to work out or is everything going to work out my way? But what it did for me was, it allowed me to trust God that he was in, in control, even though I didn't completely understand it. And he... Jesus invited me to come into a relationship with him and say, Barden, you can trust me with your hardships because I'm faithful. And eventually I will make things right. But you can trust me with your hardships. Are you trusting God through your trials and your hardships, knowing that he's true? That's the foundation that helped me get through knowing that Jesus is true to his words and he's never let me down. One of my favorite quotes from Corey Tin Boone, who was a Nazi concentration camp survivor and, and, and hid many Jews from the concentration camps in her home with her parents. She said this, You can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. Do I follow him for what he can do for me? Or do I follow Jesus because you are truth and I can trust you with your words? And I know my future is bright in you. I, I don't mean to sound morbid here, but I, I told my wife Kathleen, I said, um, I want this song at my funeral. I don't, you can do anything else you want. You can, you, know, you can play Cool in the Gang. Celebrate. I don't care what you do at my funeral, but maybe you'll play that. I don't know. But this one song I love and it's it was written some years ago by Fernando Ortega and it's called Give Me Jesus and let me just read you some of the lyrics some of you know it but let me just read it read it. it just says in the morning when I rise in the morning when I rise in the morning when I rise give me Jesus give me Jesus give me Jesus you can have all this world but give me Jesus and when I'm alone oh and when I'm alone and when I'm alone, give me Jesus. 
Give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And when I come to die, oh, and when I come to die, and when I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Listen, I don't know what you're faced with here today. I don't know what your past has been like, but I do know this one thing. But Jesus is true and he's trustworthy. He authenticated who he was through the power of his resurrection, that he conquered sin and death for you and I. All the pain that we face here on earth and the sin and, and, and being uh, separated from God because of our sin, Jesus came to restore that relationship with us. And one day that redemption will be complete and we will be with him and we and, and, and he will be with us, and he will restore all things. My question to you is, where is your hope today? Is it, where is your relationship with God today? What are you trusting today? Maybe you've fallen away. Maybe you've kind of deconstructed your faith a little bit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're going through a difficult trial, and you're just you're doubting your faith and, and your walk with the Lord. I would tell you, come back to him and let the words of Jesus speak to your heart today. That don't let your hearts be agitated. Don't let your hearts become cloudy. Trust in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So I want to pray for you today. Just before we jump into the tank, I'm excited about the baptisms today. But would you just bow your hearts? Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment as we pray and we just close in song and we get ready to baptize those who have made a commitment to Jesus Christ? I want to pray for you today and just make this a moment that you are alone with the Lord, just you and you and Jesus right now. And uh, I want to pray for you today. And maybe that's you today and you're struggling today and Jesus is telling you, come back to me. Invite me into your problem. Invite me into your trial. Invite me in there because I'm true and I'm trustworthy and I'm not going to let you go. Invite him in. For those of you that have never done that, invite him in. For those of you that are struggling today, invite him in. For those of you that have maybe turned away from your faith, I would say invite him in again. Let him show you who he truly is through his words, not what the world says not through your hurts, not through your pains, not what happened to you in the past, but trust him because of his words and what he says is true. Father God, we bow our hearts before you now and I just pray for every heart here today. I pray for those that are watching online, Lord. I I pray, Lord, that we would put our trust in you as difficult as it may be. Jesus, you never painted for us a perfect picture here on earth, but what you did tell us is that you're true, that you're the way, that you're the life, that we can trust you through our problems and that you are a faithful God to see us through. So I pray for every heart here today, whether they're struggling with their faith or they're struggling with their past or their circumstances, I thank you that you invite, you ask us to invite you in to those problems to allow yourself to show yourself true to us, Lord. And I pray that you would do that today in every heart and every life as we trust you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, as we wrestle through this world. 
Um, And as we wrestle with the changing norms in our society, God, I pray that we would never change on who you are, Jesus, and that we would always be a people who stand firm in who you are and your truth, but that we show it in love, God, and that you gave your life for us, that you loved us, Lord, by doing that. So we thank you. Lord, I pray for these that that are coming to get baptized today, Lord grateful for their lives that you have changed. That's what it's all about. It's all about newness of life, that you do the changing, Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, for your death, for your resurrection, for your love. In your precious name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Can we thank the Lord today? Can we thank Jesus for his love today and his work? Amen. Amen.